that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Ciao Paisani and welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast I'm John Viola a belatedly happy Columbus Day to all of our Italian-American friends out there. And I am very excited about today's episode because it is one that is on by popular demand. It was uh, not on the schedule only a matter of days ago, but we've had so many people write in and ask us to bring back our friend Umberto Mucci from We the Italians because a few episodes back in the archive, you'll find uh, a dissection of the what was then impending Italian elections, and now they have occurred. And a lot of our listeners have asked us to bring our Italian correspondent, Umberto Mucci, back to discuss exactly what the results of the election were and what to expect as we go forward. And there's a change in government in Italy in the next couple of weeks. So before we welcome Umberto back to the show, I want to welcome my partner in crime, the notorious P.O.B., fresh off the float in Manhattan's Columbus Day Parade. Pat, good to be together again. I'm sorry I missed yesterday. How was uh, how was the the, the it, myriad it was, of events? Um, the parade itself was fantastic. I think it was one of the best I have ever gone to, without a doubt. Oh, that's good. Um, the energy was electric. I think that the crowds that I remember from the 90s are less on the street. Um, I think because a lot of places don't give Columbus Day off anymore. A lot of schools. True. And I think the other real, I think that the, the hidden ghost or the, the hidden statistic is, at least in the New York, New Jersey area, I mean, everybody had off in the old days and all the Italian classes, like all the Italian clubs and all the high schools that taught Italian would bring busloads of kids to line Fifth Avenue. Right. And I think as the amount of schools offering Italian has decreased, something that I think the whole Italian community, especially in the New York area, fought very hard on with the AP issue, I think that there's less schools bringing their kids to Fifth Avenue. So that was a factor, right? But that's a factor beyond our control. But in every other aspect, it was the best I've ever seen. Wow. And you were also at the Jersey City Columbus Day Parade on Saturday, right? Yes. I missed a very important person's birthday. <laughs> yes, we had our first, first birthday for Giovanna. Yeah. But that's um, all right. You get forgiven. You're working. Yeah, I was working, right? I yeah. was working. Um, the beautiful thing about the Jersey City Columbus Day Parade is it's an it's an electric parade. It's very enthusiastic. It's a tremendous amount of fun. And as Jersey City has changed demographically, um, where the Italians now are truly a minority, um, and I think it's different because a lot of the, a lot of people outside the New York metro area don't understand the demographic change that have come here. The Italians were displaced by hipsters. Right. So the hipster uh, yuppie, cra- I don't know, yuppie's kind of a passe word. Yuppies now are uh, approaching Social Security age. Right. Right. The 1980s yuppies. But the young urban professionals who want to live in Jersey City because it's minutes from Manhattan, I think they're kind of, they don't come out for it. I don't know if they're not parade people. So it's not like, I, I had often thought that they had changed the route um, from Kennedy Boulevard to go down through the historic original Italian section of Jersey City downtown. I thought that we would get a lot of hipsters to come out and kind of look as spectators, but it's um, they pay no mind. Does that make sense? And this is not in any way a negative. Jersey City does a phenomenal, fantastic parade. I am not 
criticizing that. I'm always fascinated by the people who watch us. Yeah. So we celebrate ourselves, but we also put on a spectacle. And I wonder if other parades of other ethnicities get a much better yuppie hipster attention and participation than we do. There's, 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 a, there's a message that flows out from them that we're kind of like the leftovers. It's also interesting to me because like, I, I find when we go to other parades, you know, any, any other parades I've been to um, in the neighborhood that we were living in until we moved in Brooklyn Heights, there was a big festival for the Lebanese community. And it was centered around a church. It was more a feast than a parade. But people came out because there was all home cooking and every family and business would provide something very you know, unique to the culture and their business. So people came out because it was a chance to kind of experience the culture. Or when you go to like the Greek parade, you know, you, you, you seem to get more opportunities to mingle with the real culture. I feel like for us, it's a big Fifth Avenue parade or in, in Jersey City, you know, down uh, down the, the main street through the historic district. And there's very little chance to sort of then dig in and, you know, eat the food and, and have that kind of festival atmosphere. And I, I think sometimes it makes it kind of insular, you know what I mean? And inward looking. To their defense, because I, I try to sit there afterwards and, and balance it out. In a world where you can go on your phone and really watch any TV show you want, any movie, you know, travel the world. Um, it's I think that at least with the I'll say with the hipster population, it's in an information technological world. How do you get people to stand on a street and watch floats? You know, it's a fun day. Floats go by. But how does a parade compete with an, an iPhone? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it was interesting for me because I this is the second year in a row I haven't been to the parade. Right. Last year, the baby was just born. And this year we celebrated her birthday uh, over the weekend. And of course, you know, Nicole is uh, incredibly dedicated to throwing these kind of like really fun and highly decorated parties, but she's also very frugal. So she does it all herself, which means I get roped into doing a lot of the legwork and building and this and that. So we actually worked for like a week to build, you know, uh, balloon arches everywhere and walls. And, and it was beautiful. I mean, everybody had a great yeah, but time. You, that- you, you make a very big mistake. You need to screw up stuff enough that she wants you out of the house. <laughs> That's very true. You, you got to break funny? balloons. <laughs> she started to, the more we travel, she started to call her brother to come and like hang things and stuff, which is yeah, a little, very but, you know, good. Bra, bra, and then, That's very good. But anyway, I worked all week. And no, I uh, want to reiterate this. You got to start to break things. That's I all I got to say. I got to hang things. Then you can come and, out and yeah. play more. <laughs> That's Because if true. you go and you break a balloon and now she's a balloon short, she'll just say you get That's out of here. That's very true. Yeah. And then you can go. But that's I'll just, get fired. I got to get myself yeah, fired. Get brave. Get fired. Yeah, very that's good. Very Excellent. smart. Uh, that's how you a, keep me around for moments like this. Yeah. I'll be, yeah, I'll go, exactly. I'll be collecting marriage benefits. Uh, that's correct. Long story short, I wasn't feeling great. I was just a little bit run down, probably from the travel and whatever. So I decided to stay home and I did and I really recouped and rested up. But in the afternoon, my brother called me because he lives five minutes away. And he said, you know, the town over of Eastchester had their parade on Saturday, but they have a festival that they celebrate for like three or four days. Why don't we go out? We'd gone once in the past uh, briefly. But anyway, we took the kids and uh, the girls and we went and we stood for about an hour. And uh, it was really wild to see a local community because East Chester in Westchester County is, is very, very Italian. There's a big Italian club that's been there since the thirties. There's uh, a lot of Italian businesses. I mean, for the past two weeks, since I got home from Italy, the street that I like shop on through Bronxville and Tuckahoe, Westchester has had the Italian and American flags up and it's a really Italian community. 
And it was kind of nice, actually, to have a day of celebration where, you know, they had the festival and they had Lucy Sausage and different local businesses selling food and T-shirts and all that kind of fun stuff and the carnival rides. And I don't know, there was something really nice about the smaller scale version where the whole community turned out, no matter what ethnic background you were, but it just felt like an Italian community gathering. And I, I found that very refreshing in a way because, you know, you go down Fifth Avenue and when you're in the parade, you see all the people you know and that you've worked with over the years. And it's like this great family reunion. But at the same time, like I say, it's a little bit inward looking. It's it's more about the experience on the float. You know, in my opinion, I think that the Columbus controversy has helped these parades. You might be right. Yeah. yeah. I think I saw it in New York because, I mean, New York was impeded by two years of COVID. Yeah. So this is the truly first time that all the COVID restrictions have been lifted. And I thought there was a very energetic, electric feeling. So I, I think it was a positive because Italians do best in adversity. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Italians turn out in adversity. I just feel bad that a lot of those, I had so many happy memories of being in a high school and going to the Columbus Day Parade. And I just think it's a shame that these kids, those are the crucial, um, crucible type moments that form kids into who they're going to be as adults. And I think that, um, especially in this area, that's so highly densely populated by Italian Americans to not bring these kids from the high schools anymore. I think is it's unfair to them. Yeah. I used to love that. It's a moment that they deserve to celebrate who they are. Yeah. I used to go in at, at high school, even, you know, in grade school, come in with friends and take the train in from Jersey, you know, line the route, have my flag. And I think it's a big, a big part of it. And, and nobody advocates. My, my, my argument has been to the anti-Columbus crowd. Okay, well, you, you're, you're anti-Columbus, but what are you going to replace it with? Yeah. That's, you know, Malachi McCourt was an atheist, but he said in Ireland, he goes, when you remove the church, but what's going what's gonna to become the moral compass then? So if you say, okay, I don't, I, I don't see anyone saying, don't worry, we're going to get rid of Columbus Day, but we're going to give you an Italian Heritage Day. So where, where were the high schools saying that? I just feel that we're canceled and kind of written off. That's one of the main reasons, but I mean, so many things that I love about the podcast, but um, I feel I have a voice to say those things. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you remember when I got to NIAF my first year, the holiday was under threat in Seattle and eventually LA. And so I decided to use the NIAF gala weekend to have a conference where I invited people with all opinions to come and, you know, different age groups and discuss kind of what our community response was and should be. And I, I have maintained and, and I've had, I've been treated sort of poorly for this by a lot of people, but I'll, I'll go back on the record again and say, I support the holiday, but I think in cases where cities are not prepared to maintain it, uh, I think that it should be replaced by an, uh, a secular, if you will. And that doesn't happen. Italian-American and, and, day. And you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I think I don't think you have to have a, a tit for, but I will say all the work that's been done, and I'm very proud of participating in it, as we've done here on the show, I noticed in the news coverage this year, a lot of people having that conversation, more articles than ever about the real roots of it and the relation between Columbus Day and the lynchings in New Orleans. And yeah, but uh, they don't care. I mean, I'm not trying to, no, 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 but no, they but don't I, care. But, but, I, I've come yeah, but at the, least they're having that conversation. That's a big step. Uh, I mean, the contingency I was with, somebody from a, a major cable news work, uh, network came up and asked the people I was with, why do people hate Columbus Day? And it was, I was like, okay, you're starting on a negative. Yeah. And um, you have all these people, uh, immigrants, um, we still have a lot of them, uh, Italian immigrants in New Jersey. Like 
you see all these people happy with Italian flags, and all they wanted to discuss was, why do people hate Columbus? So Italian Americans just don't count. They're just, they're just written off. Yeah, it puts you on the defensive. So there's no, and that was from, that was from, a, that was from the nation's number one most conservative news network that just came up and said, um, why does everyone hate Columbus? Um, or why do Americans hate Columbus? Whatever. But we're, 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 we're written off. I just, I really believe that we're written off. I'm a big believer in bringing an, a nuanced approach to this. And I think we've done that on this platform. I hope we've done that on this platform. I hope we've come with respect for all sides and all opinions. And, uh, and can it, I say it, something? Can I jump in with something with that? To, to, yeah. I have vehement opinions on a lot of the stuff we discuss, but I feel that we have a, a, an obligation to give everybody a word, everybody a time to be heard. Right. Yeah. And I think we've, we've worked hard on that. Um, that kind of, um, I'm so, every word now has a, a political charge. I don't say accommodating, but then uh, what does accommodating mean today? Right. Right. Um, I just don't, for the people who are anti Columbus day, um, and it's not the, it's not our listeners because our listeners who are anti Columbus day because their listeners would 100% say, okay, um, I don't want a Columbus day for X, Y, and Z reason that I personally hold, but there should be an Italian American day, but people who are not Italian American, um, I just find there shouldn't be a Columbus Day, and um, you know they just and there's there's no but we we think that you guys should have a day to celebrate who you are. That never comes into the conversation. I, I'm waiting to hear that person. That's not prompted. Now, if you prompt them and say, "Well, how about oh yes, yes, yes," you know, we have to have something because I just think we're written off. But that's what I think. The, I that's just think where I think that off. the tone of the conversation has started to change. I, I have noticed. Um, I've noticed more coverage of that opinion that, okay, there, there should be an Italian day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the prime example of why John is such a positive person. And <laughs> I, I am the king of negativity and doom and gloom. I am a positive person. John, John will always see the sun and I will always make sure that sun never comes out. <laughs> I will cover the sky with an umbrella, but John's always, that's what always like when I'm um, John prods me. And I follow because there's a temptation in the positiveness that I can't let on. But I'm like, wow, maybe this is positive. He puts it out there. And then I take the drive. I'm like, nah, it's not positive. He was wrong. It's negative. It's negative. But that that's that's well, that's what makes that's what makes our bond so special. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. And you I, lift me up and I drag you down. <laughs> well, you cautioned me, though. You you gird me against disappointment, too. Don't forget, you know, because a lot of times things don't work out. But I get I, very unhappy. I get very nervous with positive conversation. <laughs> I know. It's, it's the maloiki that was drilled into me by mother and my groom. Don't say I, it's going to work out because then you're going to get hit by it. You're going to die. <laughs> You'll I die you immediately. Do. I know you do. You know, my dad's like you. Yeah, see, but is that a, that's a compound thing. It must be because my dad says it to me all the time. He's like, ah, no, no. He's like, I jinxed myself. I'm like, you didn't jinx yourself. Anytime, anytime he lets slip a positive, like, you know, uh, he likes a horse. My father's big in horse racing. And, oh, I love this horse. It's going to be great. We could do this. And the horse, you know, breaks his ankle. And I did that. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you did. I don't know. You think Sicilians are positive? <laughs> it's not a word. Bades run the numbers. And if yeah. the numbers work, they're positive. <laughs> yeah, but the Bades have an ongoing calculator in the brain. That's absolutely so right. So on your mother's side, it's 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 like a it's like a an old ticker tape machine. It's like numbers. an actuarial table of of positivity. Neapolitans yeah, I, are constantly theater people. I mean, Neap Neapolitans are theatrical. I think you're right about that. I think that there's a there's a built in caution to a lot of uh, Southern Italian life. Speaking of a built in caution, and speaking of our really our honest attempt to be even handed in our coverage here. 
we have a great guest waiting to talk to us, and uh, he's one that our audience absolutely responds to every time. So it really was because we've gotten so many messages and emails asking for him to come back and explore uh, what's going on in Italy on the political side uh, in in the wake of this what one would say is historic election on a lot of levels. Uh, Umberto Mucci from We the Italians is here. And, uh, you know, we, we want to bring the same sensitivity to this topic as we do to any other, which means, you know, a lot of hot button issues here, particularly in this election. And we try to cover it with objectivity. And there's nobody that I've interacted with in Italy who understands America like Umberto Mucci and really brings that same sense of respect for all parties. So, Umberto, welcome back, my friend. It's great to have you again and uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. Ciao to you, to Patrick, to everybody. And, and thanks for, for your words, which are very kind. Uh, let me just start telling you a couple of things uh, about Columbus. The first is that uh, I have never seen uh, the amount of Italian flags that I saw one uh, of the three times I marched through the Fifth Avenue in my whole life here in Italy. And I think that everybody here in Italy should at least once do the parade uh, because uh, I have goosebumps just thinking about that. I, I saw the photos and footage of this year. I was supposed to be in Chicago, and unfortunately, I couldn't uh, for a problem. But... Um, it is amazing from from coming from here from Italy. It is amazing watching all these flags and all these people waving them and, and celebrating Italy. It is something that uh, every one of the sixty million Italians who live here in Italy should do. I think that it will it should be mandatory. Hmm. Uh, the second thing is that Columbus is actually, I mean, I. I it shouldn't be a political topic, and um, but unfortunately, it became a political topic, and it's the only political topic uh, um, that uh, we the Italian side for sides for. We we don't side for any party either here in Italy or in the United States. We welcome everybody. Uh, I agree with Patrick, uh, but um, we stand for Columbus because uh, it's absurd for us, for me that uh, these attacks are going on. I don't want to talk about Columbus. Uh, everybody knows what's happening and, and everybody has its own or their own uh, uh, convention uh, opinion, and that's okay for me. But uh, I just want to say something. I don't feel that uh, any group is respected if uh, other people say, yeah, I respect you, but you don't get to choose your own uh, pioneer, your own representative, your own hero. That's not respect. But anyway, that's my opinion. I, now, uh, one thing that I am sure, and maybe the only thing I am sure about, uh, I am telling you without uh, entering the political aspects uh, of what will happen in Italy, the one thing I'm sure about is that uh, the government that is going to come will be more attentive uh, and more respective uh, to Columbus than the previous ones. Mm. That I am sure about. That's interesting. It's not very important here in Italy. But uh, but that I am sure about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's interesting to see how they'll they'll handle these kind of things abroad. You know, one of the things that the 
previous Italian government did do was uh, pass a resolution supporting the Italian-American community around Columbus Day. That was a, a big effort and issue on behalf of the Italian-American community. And some of the elected representatives like um, Fuxia uh, Nisoldi and, and uh, a lot of the people out there who, who represent the U.S. or North and Central America. But it's not a big issue over there. But there are massive issues over there right now in the wake of the election in late September, September 25th. I was uh, two days back from Italy, actually left on that Saturday. And then Sunday was the big election. And it was very interesting to have conversations with Italians of all political backgrounds as they prepared for kind of what everybody foresaw as a victory for a unique party and a unique leader in that it would be the most conservative party to win uh, the majority in uh, Italy in the post-war period and also in Georgia Maloney, the first female prime minister of Italy. When we spoke uh, about a month ago, things were a little bit more up in the air and the Draghi government had just fallen and we were not quite sure what the outcome was going to be. It did turn out to be uh, a pretty significant victory for Maloney's right-wing coalition. You want to go into a little bit of kind of the specifics of what actually occurred? Yeah, so uh, um, a good thing that occurred is that there is a certain majority because that wasn't uh, uh, sure at all when we spoke. Uh, the previous elections with the same uh, very stupid electoral law we have uh, didn't give uh, uh, a certain majority. So I'm, I'm, I think that it is good when a certain majority comes out comes out from the elections, whatever uh, the political side is, because, uh, you know, countries need a, a, a fair, uh, strong and, and um, uh, uh, sure political government, I, I, at least this is what I think. Um, so the, the center right now has a, a certain majority. They, uh, they, they should be able to form a government uh, with no problems uh, about, you know, uh, balancing uh, the one senator you don't have, uh, which was a problem before. And uh, it is never a good point where to start when you don't have a, a certain majority. Now, they I will have... Wait, can I just point out for the audience that doesn't really have a, a significant grasp of the Italian political system, and they may, having listened to our episodes prior when we've been together to talk about this, but you know, you're, it's interesting that you're using an English word certain, which has two kind of nuanced meanings. Certain could mean a, a specific majority, a version of majority, or it could mean a certain majority as in a definite majority. And you're using the term definite majority, a clear majority, because unlike yeah. in the U.S. where we have two parties and, you know, if you have one seat extra, like in the U.S. Senate at the moment, you have a majority. It's just not a, a significant majority. In Italy, you may form a government where the electorate has voted for a enough diverse parties that there is no clear and true majority. So what, when you say certain majority, what you're saying uh, for our un uninitiated out there in the audience is that there is a clear and real majority now that does not have to horse trade in order to get the votes to get things done. Exactly, exactly. thank you, exactly. Uh, so uh, the, this, uh, it is a good thing. Uh, now, um, in this moment, uh, they are uh, um, actually um, Thursday, uh, um, the, the first uh, meeting of the new chambers, uh, the Senate and the House, uh, will happen when the, the new senators and the new 
deputies will meet and and uh, and, and formally uh, know each other for the first time. Remember that this year we have uh, half the numbers of senators and deputies than before because there was a, a constitutional change. And so um, the centre-right will have uh, a definite majority uh, and they are speaking to each other even if there is no official mandate to Giorgio Meloni, but uh, everybody knows that she won the election and so the President of the Republic will give her the mandate, uh, the tentative to form the government. So they already, uh, her and Salvini from the League and Berlusconi from Forza Italia, uh, and there is another small party, but they are talking uh, because they have to agree. Uh, the first the first thing they have to agree about is uh, uh, who to vote uh, as presidents of the Chamber of Deputies and uh, Senate of the Republic. Usually, uh, up to um, a few years ago, there was uh, the uh, idea of giving one of the two presidents uh, to the opposition. Uh, but uh, in the last years, uh, that didn't happen, actually. Uh, so uh, they are the, the parties that, that won the election, uh, even if the real party which won the election is Fratelli d'Italia, uh, but the, the three parties of the coalition are trying to understand who to appoint president of the Senate, uh, which, let's remember, it's the second uh, most important person in the constitutional uh, uh, hierarchy. Uh, if something happens to the President of the Republic, the President of the Senate is the first in line uh, because there is no Vice President of the Republic in Italy. So the President of the Senate will be probably somebody from uh, League or from Fratelli d'Italia. The President of the House of Deputies uh, it probably will be from the Fratelli d'Italia or the League, we don't know. Um, the names that are done now, which are not sure, because you know this is the moment where everybody speaks about names that uh, uh, we don't know anything about, but the names uh, are not from Forza Italia. Uh, then there is uh, another very important uh, topic. And even if Giorgio Meloni was trying to say, okay, let's agree about the presence of the Senate and the House, and then let's talk about the ministries, the other two want to do uh, a whole uh, agreement uh, about the presence of the two uh, chambers uh, and also the government. And that is where, you know, a little bit of problem comes because everybody wants uh, a lot uh, from uh, their point of view. Just remember that the election said that Meloni won and by, but Salvini lost, uh, the league lost a lot of votes and Forza Italia, Berlusconi lost a lot of votes. So yes, the coalition formed by these two, three parties won, but uh, the, the party that uh, gained a lot of votes is Fratelli d'Italia, while the other two parties lost a lot of votes. So Giorgio Meloni not only is the one that is the leader of the party that uh, gained, that uh, had the majority of the votes, 26%, but she also is the only one in the coalition who gained a lot of votes. And so she has uh, a strongest point. Um, just remember another thing that uh, the constitution says this, the president of the Republic will give uh, uh, probably Giorgio Meloni, the, the mandate, the, 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 uh, the, the possibility to form a government. Giorgio Meloni 
will go to the President of the Republic with a list of ministries, but the Constitution says that the ministries are appointed by the President of the Republic with the suggestion of the President of the Council, in this, in this uh, case, Giorgio Meloni. This means that sometimes, and this has happened uh, before, the President of the Republic can say, look, I don't like this person you put in this ministry. Let's please talk about this and let's try to find another person especially in the very important ministries like economy or foreign affairs or defense or maybe interior affairs, um, there is a moral suasion, a very strong moral suasion from the president of the Republic. And uh, I can really uh, assure that uh, nobody uh, gains anything by a fight between the president of the Republic and the appointed uh, hypothetical uh, head of the government. So they will agree. They probably are agreeing before Giorgio Meloni comes to the Quirinale with the list of names. They are trying to do that uh, in a hurry, not because they want to do that bad, but because there is a, a lot of problems to be solved. And this is the moment uh, in the constitutional life, uh, yearly life of the country, where the um, a law of the balance, the, 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 the balance law, the economy, economic law, the most important economic law is written. So this was the worst moment to vote, but then they decided to vote. And so uh, uh, today, the old government, the one from Mario Draghi, wrote uh, up to a certain point uh, the law. But of course, uh, the, the old government uh, didn't write everything in the law. They just set the guidelines. But then, of course, they said, OK, now it's going to come a new government and they will do uh, what they want and what they can to uh, give the, the balance uh, their own direction, which is, of course, the right thing to do. We're talking about the budget here. We're talking about the, the budget, budget, yes, the the budget, budget. for sorry, the next the coming year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, you know, you make some interesting points that have to be clarified. Um, the coalition of the right that has now won this election at a pretty significant majority, a clear cut majority, has to even amongst themselves horse trade for who gets what positions and, and you know, particularly in these ministries. But I've heard uh, on multiple occasions now, Georgia Maloney has maintained that she would pursue technocratic seats in part of her ministry. And what I mean by that is she would make every effort in sensitive cases, like you say, like the, the economic ministry, maybe foreign affairs, maybe interior ministry, which runs much of the country's response to immigration and things like that. She will pursue and maybe it has pursued perhaps some technocrats to fill those seats, regardless of their party affiliation or, or preferably if they have no party affiliation. Is that something that has come to fruition? Are there names of potential technocratic ministers still going around? Yes, that's exactly the, the, the situation you, you described it perfectly. Now, what happens is this. Uh, first of all, let me tell, this is my opinion. Giorgio uh, Meloni is a smart woman. She is smart. She studied from scratch and she is now the leader of the most important party in the country. Uh, she brought this party from 3% to 26%. This happened uh, uh, to other parties in, in the past, but she is, uh, I think, she learned about the fact that when you do this jump, 
you are uh, on fire. But then when you have to govern, it's all another thing. And you are uh, doomed if you don't understand exactly exactly what is happening to you and which are your responsibilities. Now, uh, other people that did this jump, uh, I think they didn't understand exactly what was happening. I am sensing uh, that she understands it exactly. So uh, she knows that uh, she comes from a political party and she is the president of the conservatory um, group at the European, European Parliament that is not exactly liked by the other allies in Europe uh, for two reasons. First of all, because uh, uh, in these last years, uh, every party from the right in Italy, and especially Fratelli d'Italia, was very, very, very polemic uh, and uh, against Europe. The second reason is that, uh, you know, in France, Macron won against Le Pen, who is a blonde woman from the right party, just like Meloni. In uh, Great Britain, there is a conservative party, but it's a very different right uh, uh, than the Italian one. In Germany, there is no right party that conservative uh, because of historical problems and, and topics. So um, the most important governments in Europe are not very happy with the, the far-right uh, conservative topics that uh, Giorgia Meloni represents. Also because Giorgia Meloni has three important allies uh, in Europe. The first is Orban, who is the president of Hungary, and he is the most uh, closer thing we have in Europe to Putin. The second ally is Poland, and that's another very conservative party, very close to Orban. The third is Vox, which is the far-right party in Spain, and Spain has a history of far-right, uh, which not everybody knows in the United States, but Spain was uh, uh, governed by a dictator up to the 80s in the middle of Europe. So these things uh, have uh, uh, lightened uh, uh, a very red alert uh, in Europe. Another important uh, uh, situation is that if you campaign for years against Europe and you win the election and you are a, an important country, Italy is a very important country in Europe, in the middle of Europe, and a lot hap that happens in Italy uh, has a, a consequence in Europe in a moment where Europe is in a very bad situation because of the war, because of the inflation, because of the energy problems, the Allies are going to be worried. And another reason why they are worried is that they loved Mario Draghi. There is there's never been another leader from the Italian government as much appreciated in Europe than Mario Draghi, at least uh, that I can remember. Also, because in this moment in Europe, there is a lack of leadership, especially not in the European Commission, but in the, uh, the most important uh, countries. And so Mario Draghi was a very, very important leader. Another reason is that Mario Draghi was the only European leader that was able to speak with Biden 
in a very uh, easy situation, uh, Biden would listen very much to Draghi, much more than Macron or uh, Liz Truss in, in, in Great Britain or Scholz in, in Germany or the Spanish uh, uh, head of the government. And so now they don't have Mario Draghi. They have somebody that is replacing Mario Draghi. Mario Draghi was kicked out by the parties that won the elections. So Europe is worried, even because Europe gave a lot of money to Italy directly uh, with the recovery plan and indirectly by buying a lot of Italian debt. And they are worried. What is it, what is going to happen? So they are worried. And Giorgio Meloni knows it. Now, to answer your question, I'm sorry if it was too long. Giorgio Meloni understands that she has to explain to Europe and to the allies and to the United States that she understands that Italy continues to be part of a system, that she has to, of course, answer to the electoral uh, votes and to the people who voted for her, yes, of course, but also to the system Italy is part of. She's very worried about this. She understands it. And this is why she wants to appoint technical ministers, because to be very clear, the right, uh, the three parties, they do not have a lot of smart uh, leaders, political leaders uh, to be appointed in the very important ministers. They just don't have them. They don't have uh, the, the people. Uh, now, they, there have been a lot of uh, uh, unqualified people in the ministries also in the previous uh, governments. There is no doubt about that. It's not just a right problem, it's a, a political class problem all over in Italy. But in this very moment, uh, Giorgio Meloni knows that if she appoints uh, only political ministries, uh, that could be a problem, not only because the situation is very bad and it's going to be very bad, not only because they could not be able to handle this situation, but also because Europe and the United States, maybe, they could say, are you sure? And also the President of the Republic could say, are you sure you're going to appoint this person? Are you sure this is going to be good for Italy and for the system Italy is part of? And this is not, let me just uh, clarify this and then I'll shut up. This is not something that is not respectful to the Italian vote. Of course, she will, be, she will do something which will be respectful to the Italian voters because she understands that she's there because people voted for her and the League and Forza Italia. It's just that she understands that it's not that simple. She has been at the opposition for several years. And when you are at the opposition, it's very easy. You just shout, you claim that, that you could be better, you could be better, and people will, is going to vote you because every time in Italy, people uh, uh, give the responsibility of their problems to the government. So if you've never been in the government, they are not going to give you responsibility for their problems and they're going to vote you. But then you'll be in the government. You have to understand what you have to do. And there's a lot of boundaries you have to follow. So essentially, Fratelli d'Italia and Giorgio Maloney find themselves in the position of kind of a lot of parties, particularly a lot of parties with platforms that are outside of the center, where it's very easy to be in opposition, but it's very difficult to govern. And I think that um, it, it surprises a lot of people to hear that she may have uh, a little bit more patience than others have had in the past. I, I Sometimes I think that 
uh, one thing that separates Maloney, at least in what I've seen of her, is an awareness that if she fails in this bid to really truly govern in an organized way and in a way that is even handed, it's not like other parties where you win an election, you maybe don't hit your mark, but the voting population will give you another chance in the future. This is such a, um, a disruptor to the psychology of Italy and Europe, this idea of a far-right party uh, being in, in power in a major European country. I think she might be aware, and I hope she is, that she really can't afford to fail because there's, there's really, there'll be no re-election for her party, right? I mean, you, you can't come from a platform that's, let's say, radical and fail and expect people to give you a second chance. It's easy to grow in the opposition. And she was the only party outside of the unity government, so even more so uh, for them. I think she's going to have to bring an even-handedness and a moderation to the role that other parties might not have to. And I think that that's what happened with the Lega in the last government. You know, uh, before uh, Draghi was brought in, when the Lega was in coalition with the Five Star, I think that they didn't understand that their positions were radical to the other half of the electorate and they went full bore and it cost them, they spent all of their political capital on trying to be, you know, to the party line. And I think she realizes, I hope she realizes that you can't always do that, especially when, even though you have a majority, you don't represent the political opinions of the entire country, right? October is Italian Heritage Month and Mediaset Italia is proud to offer you a connection to Italy. Mediaset Italia keeps you plugged into Italian culture, news, and entertainment like no other channel. You get the best shows from top Italian channels Canale Cinque, Italia Uno, and Rete Quattro streamlined to one place. Enjoy special concerts, comedy shows, movie presentations, and exclusive drama series soon after they air in Italy. Plus, always get the latest in news, current affairs, celebrity, and entertainment updates as they're happening. This October, look for new episodes of Amici, Grande Fratello Vip, Verissimo, Pomeriggio Cinque, Back to School, and more. There's always something new on Mediaset Italia, so call your local television provider today. Yeah, you're right. There is there is three main differences, according to me, between uh, the Lega and Fratelli d'Italia. Uh, the first one is that Lega has got a lot of governors in very important Italian regions. So they have people that are governing right now important regions, Veneto, they have Lombardy, they have had the Piemonte, uh, they have Friuli Venezia Giulia, but then more important, they have the president of the conference of the 20 Italian regions. So they have people uh, that is uh, learning what uh, it means to be governor, so to govern something, to administer uh, a local but very important uh, entity. Fratelli d'Italia has got just a couple of governors of regions that are not main regions. So this means that Lega had uh, and has uh, people uh, under Salvini. They also had have um, an, an important minister who is Giorgetti, who had the develop, economic development ministry. While Fratelli d'Italia actually uh, has got all, almost nobody after Giorgio Meloni. The second important difference, and, and this this first one was a fact. The second important difference, and this one, once again, is a fact, 
is that Giorgia Meloni is a woman. Now, to succeed in Italy as a woman right now, you need a lot of work more than a man. I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to appear uh, an extreme feminist or whatever it is. But this is a fact. Italy is not an easy country for women to succeed. It is not true. And Italian politics, in particular, we have 15% of mayor who are women. 15 out of 100. We have just one female governor out of 20 regions. We have had uh, uh, something like uh, 100 female ministries out of, uh, I think, 800. And 50 of these 100 ministries, female ministries, have had uh, uh, ministries with no uh, budget. Mm. So in, in the Italian politics, uh, to succeed as a woman, you need to, to, to work a lot. And you need to uh, understand a lot more than being a man. Once again, this is not me being feminist. This is a fact. No, it's very true. Italy is is very behind when it and not just a woman, but a young woman relative to. I mean, don't forget, it's also unfortunately a geritocracy too. I mean, you know, the average age. Exactly. She's forty five. She, you're right. The third fact, no, the third topic, which is an opinion of mine, it is not a fact because this is an opinion of mine, is that Giorgio Meloni is way way, way smarter than Salvini. Now, if you ask me, it's not difficult to be way, way, way smarter than Salvini. <laughs> but anyway, whatever I can think, uh, my opinion is that she is way smarter than Salvini. And she came after. So she can learn from other people's mistakes. Salvini is not the only one. We have had, in Italy, we, we had in the 70s, in the 80s, we had Traxi, Socialist Party, he went up and then he went down. Then we had Berlusconi, up and down. Then we had Renzi, up and down. Then we had Conte, up and down. Then Salvini, up and down. Now Meloni is up. She knows that all the other people went up and then down. And I think that, you know, she, she's a woman that she, she grew up without a father. Um, she, she came from the street. She, she comes from the street. Now, the problem is that, uh, the, the, the yeah, she was a babysitter for a few months, but then the only job she ha has ever had is politics. And this is a problem for me. But uh, um, she really did the work to be up to the head of the government. So I think that she understands. Now, is she able to overcome all these difficulties? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, some people, they say that she asked uh, some important technical, um, hypothetical ministries to be the minister of economy, and these people said no. And uh, we don't know if it's if it's the truth, but this is what uh, media are saying. And the media are saying that maybe this is for two reasons, either because uh, this is a very, very hard situation, economic situation, we are going towards uh, uh, an autumn and a winter with many, many, many problems from the economic point of view. So it's not easy. The second hypothetical problem is that uh, they did a lot of promises, uh, Meloni, but particularly Salvini and also Berlusconi. It was a race of who was promising more. And, you know, they got the votes, the other ones too, the other parties 
too. But they got a lot of votes by promising a lot of things. And then, of course, people will say, okay, I voted you, now you have to deliver. The third problem that the media are saying is a reason why um, some of these technicians said no to Meloni is that they fear that the government will not last long. Now, I don't know if this is the case. I hope not so. Not because I'm for the right or the left or whatever it is, but because if I love my country, I don't want a government every year. It's a, it's a mess. Whoever is the, the appointed one, whoever falls and then comes back, it's a mess. She won the election, fair and square. Uh, there is no doubt about that. And I think that they have uh, the right and the duty to govern for five years. Let's let's see what happens. I'm not very optimistic, uh, make no mistake, but uh, Italy cannot go on with one government uh, after another, technical problems. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Said that I loved Draghi, I think that uh, it's easy to understand, but Draghi was not voted by anybody. So now we voted, she won. She has to govern. It's not easy. So I think that at the beginning, everybody should understand that it's, it's impossible uh, to expect that they deliver everything in three or four months. It will be a very, very, very hard autumn and winter. There will be a lot of problems. There, there is a, a lot of worries about uh, electrical bills that went up 100%. And, and nobody could really govern very well in this situation. Yes, you don't have to waste a crisis, that's 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 okay, but uh, there will be a lot of people very angry, and uh, in Italy there's a lot of people who says, yes, but the government has to help me, has to save me, and if the government has no money, they will be angry at the new government, even if uh, the new government cannot print money as there, there is no tomorrow. Nobody can. It's interesting because as much as this is a radical departure in terms of party policy and uh, having a young female prime minister. I've never encountered a an incoming Italian government with so many handcuffs, right? The, the energy crisis that all of Europe is going to face in this coming winter, and you're seeing it already now in, you know, ha- uh, the search for alternative resources. Uh, I, I noticed the other day that the French government or the city of Paris decided they're going to turn the lights off on the Eiffel Tower at night and uh, storefronts have to close their lights. I mean, this is this is really, uh, you know, small ball stuff when it comes to saving energy. And that's how critical the moment is right now as we approach winter that a lot of um, meteorologists expect to be colder than normal, unfortunately. So the, the confluence there, you have a European uh, recovery fund that Italy is still subject to a lot of uh, rules and uh, requirements from, but obviously needs those resources very, very badly. You've got an an ongoing war in Ukraine where Maloney has gone, uh, the only one on record uh, on the right-wing coalition, to say she's fully in support of the Ukrainian government and stands with them and and NATO and uh, the, the Western alliance. So she's got more handcuffs, more governors on her gas pedal, if you will, than I think a lot of people who are very concerned about her party platform might realize just by the sort of 3000 mile view from the media. Um, So I'm sort of in a wait and see mode as it sounds like you are Uh, before we go, you know, just to give people a sort of sense of the aftermath of the election, which happened to have the lowest voter turnout in uh, modern Italian history, unfortunately. And that's a whole nother episode. Um, You know, the five star movement did surprisingly well still in the South 
continues to sort of appear as a Southern party, I think, uh, to, to many observers. Like you mentioned, the Lega and Berlusconi really lost seats and votes, but uh, maybe perhaps what was, I know there's been a lot of calls for Salvini to step down from the leadership of the Lega. And it's interesting that we're calling it the Lega, right? Because up until a few cycles ago, it was the Lega Nord, and it seems like it's retrenched in its northern um, strongholds and it's it's, it's sort of uh, northern homeland, if you will. Um, the Democratic Party has seen a, a, a downturn, which is the center-left party, but still able to garner about 20% of the vote total. And uh, then, of course, you have the remainder out there from the, the left and uh, the smaller parties that were able to put some votes together. But you mentioned the five years of an elected mandate and the fact that the governments have been falling. Obviously, this is the first potential prime minister who will have been at least the leader of the party that won the majority in a very long time since Renzi, uh, what, six years ago, something like that. Um, what could happen, if you will? What's the scenario? Who's got enough votes? Who's got enough influence and power and uh, seats? Who could take down this government? Well, uh, I got to be honest with you, not an easy uh, task to answer the question. Now, Salvini uh, uh, brought down the two last governments he was into, Draghi and then before Conte. So he has a history of doing this. But uh, these two governments he was uh, part of, they were not governments uh, coming from uh, an electoral campaign won by Salvini and his allies. Now he comes from an electoral campaign won by him, especially Meloni, but Meloni allied with Salvini and Berlusconi. And uh, I don't think that he will bring down the government. I don't think so. I don't think that Berlusconi will do that, uh, and I don't think that Meloni will do that. So also, uh, there are no um, close elections uh, in the next uh, few months. You know, elections uh, sometimes maybe in uh, 2023 or 20, 2024, maybe we will vote for the European Parliament which is a vote that is national, even if we elect uh, parliamentarians who will go to Brussels uh, being part of the European Parliament, but that is a vote that regards uh, the whole country. So in that moment, uh, it could happen that uh, if these parties lose a lot of votes, uh, that could be a problem, but it is not happening, I think, uh, uh, up to 2024, if I'm not wrong. There will be an important local vote in the spring of 2023, because if I'm not wrong, Lombardy and Lazio will vote, and they are two of the most important regions. Uh, I don't think that the center-right will lose this vote in both regions, so that shouldn't be a problem for them. And also, you have... Uh, a very uh, divided opposition. Now, the opposition in ba is basically done by three parts. The center one, which is, uh, uh, it, it took 8%. It is a new thing. Uh, Renzi is part of it. And they basically say, we don't want to be either with the far-right populists nor with the five-star movement, which is the far left, or at least left populist, okay? We don't want to be 
with populist people. And they are the ones who did the campaign saying, we love Draghi, we want Draghi, we hope that Draghi will be, be, will be back. Make no mistake, Draghi said nothing about that. He didn't campaign for them, but they campaigned uh, in his name, let's say so. Uh, then you have Five Star Movement, and then you have the Democratic, the Democratic Party. Now, the Five Star Movement, uh, uh, yes, they took 17%. Uh, just remember that uh, in 2018, they took 33%. So they halved the votes. But it is right that at the end of last year, they were at 11% in the surveys. So they went up 6%. And this is exactly because... Uh, the Five Star Movement did something very smart from a political point of view. They exploited the fact that for 50 years, the Italian left promised to be a statalist country, the state will help you, the state will, will give you money, we will print money, um, we are with the poor people, let's fight capitalism, uh, and so on. And so we ha you have a lot of people who has been used to these kind of things. And then the Pfizer movement came and they uh, overcame the Democratic Party from the side, from the left side, okay? They did the reddito di cittadinanza, which is basically a revenue that you own just because you are born and you are Italian. And they gave a lot of money to a lot of people. Uh, and these people now is used to have this money. And they said, we are the ones who gave this money to you. Vote for us, because otherwise the other parties will keep it from you. Yes, it's easy to gain votes this way. This is a minimum living wage, essentially, that they've uh, for a citizenship wage. Yes, but but you know, first of all, they call it revenue. Now, I, as as long as I understand, revenue is something that you gain because you do something, not because you just <laughs> you just exist. Right. But it's not like ju just like that. They are uh, it's helicopter money. OK, uh, and uh, the other parties say, OK, let's help those who need help, but not just throw money to everybody. There has been uh, thousands, thousands, thousands of people who uh, is working a black uh, uh, job and then gaining the right to the cittadinanza. There's a lot of uh, criminals that are uh, getting money with the right to the cittadinanza. It has to be reformed, but it's not easy. You know, it's just like that sign you you see uh, in, in in where there is a captivity field for animals, and the sign says, "Do not feed the animals; otherwise, they are not be able uh, uh, no more to hunt, and they will be hunted by the other animals." It's exactly like that. Now, the problem is the Democratic Party is divided in two. The Italian left uh, is divided in two between those who. Um, are nostalgic of the Communist Party, the state, uh, the, the trade unions, the far left, okay? And those who want to be reformist, the, those who want to be center left, those who understand that uh, uh, let's stop being against uh, enterprise, against capitalism, against the United States, this kind of thing. And so it's divided in two because the Democratic Party is actually torn between those who think that they should be uh, the, the, the far left party and those who think, no, we should be the center party, especially in the moment where there's a far right party, which is very strong, okay? Now, th they are divided and uh, maybe it would be easier if the leftist part of the Democratic Party would join 
the five star movement and do something leftist, the far leftist, and the other side of the Democratic Party, the center side of the Democratic Party, would join the, the center uh, parties, uh, the eight percent center parties, uh, and do something. Uh, let's say center, I don't know exactly what to say, but uh, not uh, far right and not far left. But as long as the Democratic Party is divided and they fight and they fight and they fight every time, Meloni will have uh, uh, a good way of governing because there is no alternative. I don't think that there will be another thing with everybody inside for the emergency. I mean, it didn't work electorally. Like a unity government. No, the, the only party who won this election is the one that was outside this uh, uh, let's let's be all together and and uh, make no mistake we had Draghi. I don't know if Draghi would be a, a willing to do another government with everybody inside the fighting and quarreling you know I don't I don't think so but I don't know that but I don't I, I mean I, I like Draghi but we should have a government that won the elections whoever it is. And, and, and if they do wrong at the next elections, the, the people will vote them out, maybe or not. If there is an alternative. I don't know. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the test ahead for Italy. Right. It, it seems like for the first time in a long time, you have a government that coming in an incoming government with uh, enough majority to be unthreatened by the normal sort of uh, horse trading. The biggest threat, I, I guess, would be from within its own ranks, right? Because yeah. there's enough seats for Forza Italia or for the Lega that they could theoretically bring down the government. It might not behoove them. But essentially, it's going to be uh, a test of really the voters and the voters' mandate. And, and that's something that Italy um, has been without for a long time. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And as always, no matter who's in power, we here in Italian America pray for the best for our cousins and brothers and sisters over in the motherland and uh, and hope that we get good results in a very difficult time. So, Umberto, thank you again for always coming on and making clear for us and our audience this very unique electoral system. And I hope the next time we come together, it's with uh, with good news and, and good tidings and good developments. Cross our fingers. It, it won't. These next months will not be easy. Uh, it will not be easy. Uh, we, and and we, we, you know, we spent uh, the last two autumns uh, worried by COVID. And by the way, COVID is still here. It's not that uh, problematic like the two last years, but it's still here. Yeah. But uh, make no mistake, uh, the energy bills uh, are going to be a problem that is not uh, far from the COVID problems. There will be a lot of people out of job, uh, a lot of people that will not be able to pay the bills uh, and people is uh, very tired. So uh, yeah. it could be very problematic. But uh, let me tell you, John, that I may be uh, somebody in Italy who understands America, but you certainly are somebody in America who understands Italy. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> thank, thank you. That, for whatever reason, this is what we've decided to focus on. So this is uh, this is all we're good at, I guess. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not very good at other stuff, but I hope you're right. I hope the results are better than expected and uh i just pray for everybody's health and safety over there and that things continue to get better so we hope everybody out there has learned a little something from this it should give you some insight into a system that i think everybody has a great interest in whether you have family there or not uh, as italian americans so thank you for listening and we'll see you next week da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. That you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great 
see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and 